welcome to the Flea Flicker NFL Show, episode 42, 43, something like that. Anyway, I'm your host, Arib Umar, and I'm joined by my amazing co-host, Amal Ronak. What's up, Amal? What's up, Arib? Uh, lots to talk about this week. Um, COVID news is there. There's injuries that happened around the league. Some that could affect uh, the team's futures for like a major that has a major impact on the, the team's future outlook of the season. Then we're going to get into what happened, the game recaps of last week, then head into our power rankings. Our top 10 teams are entering into week number 11 now, and uh, then go into our game predictions. Yeah, for sure, man. So I think we just need to start with the, the breaking news of the day. We're recording this on Wednesday. October, November 18th. The year's going by pretty fast. But the breaking news today is that the Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, essentially their entire defensive unit has been put on COVID reserve. So what are your takeaways from this, Amal? Uh, I think it's honestly quite irresponsible of the Raiders because they've been they've been having this type of issue the entire season and not all these other franchises are having the same issue like this is even worse than the tennessee situation or the new england situation this is an entire damn defense uh i mean this is this is really bad obviously they can be clear to play if they all test uh negative on saturday i believe but, uh, yeah, this is definitely not a good look. And if they all – it's not the first time either, Amal, is it? Yeah. The entire, like, it was the entire offensive line a couple weeks ago against the Bucks, and now it's yeah. the entire defense. Yeah, and if, uh, if they all can't play, then uh, they're, they're screwed, I believe, for this week. And they were screwed against Tampa only because of that too. I thought it would have been a really competitive game if the offensive line was healthy. I think you probably thought it that way too. Um, and uh, – I said immediately, I, I predicted a Raiders upset. Immediately once I found out about this COVID crap, I, I, I immediately retracted from that pick. And uh, even with this Raiders one, even if they are healthy, only having one day to play, it's, it's not – I don't know how effective it can be. Obviously, Big Ben played on one day's notice, and he performed really well. But that being said, it was against the Bengals' defense. So uh, I can't really say anything about that, but – this is an entire defensive unit, and if they're the entire starting defensive unit on top of that, so uh, I don't know how they're going to be prepared for this, uh, for whoever they're facing this upcoming week. They're facing and, Kansas uh, City, bro. Yeah, then they're oh goddamn, yeah, that's tough. It is it is in Vegas, so that that, that does help. They don't need to travel, so but I don't think it's going to matter. Hurt. I think they're I think losing it's not star happen. players like Jonathan Abram, I believe, was one of the players who was Jonathan taken out. Yep. Arden Key, Arden. who's another yep. good rotational pass rusher there. They're just sort of – I mean, they're just screwed, just flat out. Like it, like you said, this is defense. Like, And you're facing – like Big Ben, like you said, giving with a good analogy, like Big Ben last week had COVID. He tested negative the day before game day, and he was able to play. And this week – I mean, the thing is, he was facing the Bengals' defense. Like you said, the Bengals' defense is atrocious. Now, this week, it's – I mean, you can't even make a comparison because this is the Chiefs' offense. The Chiefs' exactly. offense is a completely different animal than the Bengals' defense. Obviously, comparing two different units out of the balls and all that. But still, it's my point stands. Like, 
yeah. you're, you're screwed. And there's no way I think anyone with a brain is picking the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders, last time they faced the Chiefs, and they, they upset them. I think it was like week five, I want to say. They Great defensive them. performance. I mean, not even defensive performance. I mean, it was good defense for most of the game. You still allowed 32 yeah. points. That's what I'm, I'm just saying. Yeah, the, like they, they held it down. That's, that's my point I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect them to hold it down with whoever the hell these backups are because I'll be honest, I'm very well acknowledged, I think, when it comes to football, but I don't think I could name a single one of these starters on game day for the Raiders. Yeah, if, if, if none of these guys if none of these guys play, yeah, I'm I'm honestly going to be with you on the Raiders defense. They're screwed. They're absolutely screwed. And the Raiders are actually a surprisingly good team, Amal. Like this year, I believe I I think they're 5 and 4, right? Or they're right. And, no, they're, they're 6 and 3. Now they're right now in the playoff. They're right now in the playoffs at the season ended today, I believe. Yeah, kind they're crazy, 6 and 3. That's uh, yeah. Yeah, they're two games behind the Chiefs. Um, the other six and three teams would be the Ravens, the Browns, the Colts, the Titans, the Dolphins. So, yeah, they're right in there with a pretty competitive AFC. So this is not good for them at all. Yeah, for right now, the Raiders, um, any game that's lost could affect them big time because from four to nine, it's all the same records. Obviously, the Titans and the Colts have the same record, so um, whoever wins that division, it'll probably flip the other way. So, um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see where, how, that, how that turns out. And even the Bills division, that's even interesting. Seven and three Bills and six and three Dolphins. That's and the Patriots aren't out of it well. either. But uh, also going more into Yeah, and the Patriots are definitely not out of it either. They can, they can definitely see a comeback coming out of them. Um, and also to – other news this week, I believe they just also announced. And uh, all the charges, charges were dropped, and the Kansas City Chiefs signed him to their practice squad. I'm happy about this. Uh, this I'm extremely great. overjoyed for him, for and sure. I, and I, and I believe this was a great acquisition for uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, so for those of you who might not be well-versed versed in the ways of football, DeAndre Baker is a former first-round first pick for the New York Giants at the cornerback position from Georgia, I believe. And he was a highly touted prospect. He was drafted late in the first round last year, and he played some pretty solid football for the Giants before his whole legal problems. So... For the Chiefs, again, I think like every single time there's a free agent, it's always like the rich getting richer because they always ended up signing with Kansas City. And as fans of you know other teams, it's kind of annoying to see. But everyone wants to go to Kansas City because like why would you not want to? Yeah, exactly. I think I think you you brought up a lot there. Yeah, that's exactly it. And uh, honestly, on the news that I kind of don't want to bring up, uh, Antonio Brown had another incident that happened about a month ago uh, where he threw, he destroyed a security camera by throwing a bike at a security shack. Uh, That's this, kind of impressive. I'll obviously, be so apparently, yeah, it's a impressive B he, he, the bucks knew about this beforehand. Uh, NFL, please don't do, please don't suspend him again. Do not again. And I apparently mean, he paid for not the on camera. The team. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Then I think, 
move on from it. You can find him if you want to because he can afford fines. But uh, yeah, don't 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 suspect. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's keep everything normal there. Uh, I I want to see the money, but he played really well. We're gonna talk about uh, the Bucks game later, but uh, he had an impressive game to say the very least for sure. And uh, another another on some other news, Andy Dalton's back. He's been taken off the COVID IR list. That's good to hear. And uh, probably Harib, the biggest news of all, Drew yeah, Brees. Yeah, Drew Brees. He has multiple rib fractures on both sides of his chest and uh, has a collapse, collapse lung on the right side. I believe he's ruled out at the moment for two weeks. Yeah, and that's uh, huge. That is I'm huge. A so now Jabo wins. Jameis Winston, uh, in other words, he's going to be their starting quarterback along with Taysom Hill. And uh, I believe they're going to definitely be taking turns <laughs> at the quarterback spot. Jameis Winston will be this main quarterback. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that team runs. Uh, for sure. And also the offense, the offensive systems under when, so for those of you who don't know, Jameis Winston's former quarterback, former first round, first overall pick for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And his last year was Bruce Arian, the head coach of Tampa Bay. Currently that was his first year. And Bruce Arian's system is very much like dependent on deep shots and that's why you saw a quarterback like Jameis Winston throw that many touchdowns and went throw for that many yards because he, I mean, he has all the God-given gifts. Like he can throw the ball extremely well downfield and he did it pretty proficiently. The problem was that, I mean, just flat out, his decision-making was highly suspect and that led to him throwing 30 touch, 30 interceptions as well as throwing 30 touchdowns, the first ever that's happened in NFL history. But the Saints offense with Drew Brees, it's very much more focused on short passes, you know, focusing on those timing routes. Because Drew Brees, I mean, we, I think we can speak frankly here. Drew Brees does not have the arm he once used to have. And he never really had that strong of an arm, period. But over his last three years, his yards per attempt has dipped significantly. Like, I think it was like 9.7, probably in 2015, 2016. Now it's down to like 7.8, 6.8. It's extremely low. And it's like, he's like the 30, like I, th- I think last year he finishes like the 38th quarterback out of like 40 quarterbacks for that stat. Like his arm is not there. The offense is very much focused around the short passing game. And that's different because obviously Jameis Winston has never done that before. Like have an offense solely centered around short passing. And I want to see, like, this is all about decision-making and timing, and it's probably going to be less athletic talent. So I want to see if, A, Jameis Winston can fit into this new offense, or, B, if Sean Payton, the head coach and the offensive master of mind behind the Saints offense, is going to open it up for um, Jameis Winston and maybe allow more deep shots. So it'll be fun to see. Their schedule the next two games is um, they're going to be at the Falcons or the Falcons are going to come to Superdome rather, and then they're going to be at Denver. So those aren't two difficult teams. So honestly, like it's not a huge loss because I mean, you're still have, you're, you're like hoping to have Drew Brees for later in your schedule. We face the uh, Falcons the second time, the Eagles, the chiefs, the Vikings, like those are all semi difficult games versus like the Broncos. Yeah. But this is, uh, I don't know, I mean, you, you, you very briefly talked about it, but this has something to do with Breeze's future, though, too, man. I think uh, he's, he's been injured now. This is the second year in a row where he's going to miss significant time from this uh, ribs injury and collapsed long. 
And now, I, I mean, dude, he's 41. I think uh, this might be his last year. And this could be a last hurrah because the Saints right now are playing like a top two, top three, maybe even top one NFC team. They are playing very – they're playing at a very high level. But losing Drew Brees at this time, it's definitely going to hinder them just a bit. But, yeah, you, they, have a, they have a pretty easy schedule, at least for the next two weeks. But we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes. And then another quarterback that got injured was uh, St. Nick, Nick Foles. Uh, he's hurt. I don't – I mean, they haven't done any timetable on the injury that he has. But uh, it's going to be interesting because also Trubisky's hurt too, I believe, with a shoulder injury. And uh, the Bull, the Bears are now bringing up a quarterback that they absolutely destroyed in Khalil Mack's debut, and that's uh, Deshaun Kaiser. Oh yep. God! Um, Former second over second round pick for the Cleveland Browns. Yep, uh, he was probably the worst quarterback I've ever seen. I he actually might be the worst quarterback I've ever seen. Just just to put it out there, we all make fun jokes about Nathan Peterman being being a really bad quarterback. This guy has not completed a single pass in his NFL career. On over, I think I think it's fifteen attempts. He's zero for fifteen. I, I think uh, that's something that I should just throw out there. Zero for fifteen. Um, unless this guy turns into like some monster that you'd never seen. I I, I mean I I can't even see the Bears being stupid enough to even sign him. But, uh, yeah, that, that, that's the only news I think. That, that's all the news I have left that we can really talk about. Right, Arib? Yeah, I agree with you, man. I think it's time to move on to the bulk of the show this week in our game breakdowns, game recaps, whatever you want to call them. From week 10, start off with whatever you want to start off with them all. I'm ready for yeah. anything. Yeah, uh, we said before the podcast that we wanted to start off with this game. And, uh, yeah, it's the best game of the week. And it was the Bills-Cardinals game. We couldn't wait to actually talk about this game. This was a very, very close game. It went back and forth the entire time. The Bills were up big. They were up by 14 at a time. But so what? The Cardinals come back pretty easily. But uh, this, was, this game was very competitive from start to finish. Kenyon Drake came back also off of IR. That was quite helpful. And... Uh, yeah, this is an excellent performance coming out of Kyler Murray. 61 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and then 255, 245 yards passing and a touchdown on the air as well. And that last touchdown in the air coming from the game-winning touchdown by DeAndre Hopkins. And that catch was just insane. And he, he uh, I don't know if you saw the post-game interview, it's almost like he was dunking on three different people. He compared it like that. And uh, he even gave the hand motion for dunking on three people, um, for like dunking on someone. Uh, it, it was so impressive. And honestly, the fun fact, that, uh, that picture of him catching the ball over three defenders has generated $5.7 million in, uh, in uh, just total usage as, the, as a picture. I, I thought that fact That's is ridiculous. Crazy. It's been That's three crazy. days. And exposure, it's for Nike, yeah. So Deon, the viral DeAndre Hopkins photo is you have $5.7 million in exposure for Nike. I think uh, that's – and it was Jumpman, so it, it was Air Jordan basically. But that that's, that's crazy. Um, I mean, 
that yeah. he, that was basically like a basketball play. I mean, he simply he simply got up and caught it. It was as we use the term in football, mossing someone after the great Randy Moss, and uh, he certainly did that. Yeah. Uh, he showed why he is, if not one of, if not the best uh, wide receiver in football, and uh, he's had him. He had himself a great game, and uh, yeah, I think that's. Uh, that's really all I can I can say. Cole Beasley was the main target for the, for the Bills. Um, I also liked the trick play they had with uh, Josh Allen getting a receiving touchdown from Isaiah McKenzie. That was pretty cool. Um, Some but, innovative offense, I'm all for. Yeah, yeah. The, the Buffalo Bills. We're going to talk all about innovative offenses later when I go on a rant. But we, we can forget about that. I want to talk about this game. So yeah. I've watched almost this entire game, um, my free time, which I don't have much of now. But anyway, I just want to say I'm impressed by both teams here. So first of all, the Hail Mary to end of the game to win the game for the Arizona Cardinals was it, it was a great throw, great catch, like everything you said on it. Like there's so many. The thing is, the thing that's like mind boggling to me is that he had um for those of you who don't know, DeAndre Hopkins, wide receiver for the Houston Texans. He was covered by Tredavious White for the Bills, who is, I don't know if he's an all-pro corner, but he's definitely a pro bowler. I, I, I want to say he's won an all-pro last year. Um, he was also covered by Micah Hyde, who I think it might also be an all-pro safety, or, or at least a pro bowler. But those are two high-quality players. And then I think um, the last guy's name is... Um, something prior i can't remember his name right now but he's another very like not, not as reputable like he doesn't have the same name as micah hyde does but he's still another really uh, jordan poyer he's another very like talented safety and he just went up over both of them and caught the ball extreme all three of them and it was extremely impressive his hands i mean his height his just everything about that play was a huge you know athletic feet and there's a reason why you said it's generated over five million dollars uh of use like it's just because it's that bonkers of a play but for the bills the bills did a really good job at containing kyler murray and kyler murray earlier in this game he tried to rush the ball multiple times and he just wasn't going anywhere the announcers used the whole idea of like wave defense like kyler murray would come and then the defensive, I think it was A.J. Klein, usually who would be the linebacker who was guarding him. He would come up and try to make the tackle, but he would be able to slow Kyler Murray down just enough where the waves of defenders behind him could come and you know, knock out any running lanes. There was phenomenal defense on the ground game for the Bills. And the Bills, like the first year in a while, they have been really bad on the ground game. And this showed against Kenny on Drake, but Kyler Murray was held on their check for most of this game. But that just shows you the whole idea of sticking with something when you're Kyler Murray. Like, just run with the ball if you can. It's sort of like Kyler Murray is a phenomenal quarterback because he runs to pass the ball, but then he can also run just for the sake of running. It's like very fun to watch. And he doesn't give up on running. And there's a reason why he doesn't. It's because he can easily run for like a 30, 40 yard touchdown, 15 yard touchdown in this case, any day of the week. And that's what opens up the entire offense because he's a phenomenal thrower of the football. We saw that from his Hail Mary. But also, you just can't defend someone like that because eventually, even if you're playing very well-disciplined football, which is what Sean McDermott's crew was doing this week, they're just going to get 
they're just going to get unlucky just flat out. And that's what happens with Lamar Jackson. That's what happens with, that's what happened with Michael Vick. And that's what happened. That's what's happening with Kyler Murray. And I personally think Kyler Murray has the potential to be the best out of those three by a mile. And that's saying something because, you know, Mike Vick was one of the best running quarterbacks, if not the best running quarterback of all time. And then Lamar Jackson just won an MVP. So just phenomenal game for Kyler Murray and a Josh Allen for me. Earlier in this game, I know they had a lead, but he was making some of those bad mistakes. His throwing mechanics, it wasn't like bad decisions, but it was sort of like his throwing mechanics were kind of whack. And he was missing some throws that it sort of looked like vintage 2019, 2018 Josh Allen, where he was missing, he was missing throws he hadn't really missed this year. But credit to him. He bounced back when he had to, led that game-winning, uh, you know, supposedly game-winning drive with a phenomenal throw to Stephon Diggs on the 30-yard corner out on the left side of the end zone. Phenomenal ball. And really, I know it's cliche. I've said it multiple times. But I think this game is a win-win for both teams. I know the Buffalo Bills lost, but they've really bounced back after that sort of uh, like mid-season slump they had where they lost to the – um, they lost to – who did they lose to? They almost lost to the Jets. They lost to the Chiefs. They lost to the Titans. Like they had a really kind of poor game against the Patriots. But then the last two weeks they bounced back. They dropped forty-four against Seattle, thirty-two, uh, thirty against the Bill, uh, the Cardinals. So they've bounced back, and I honestly think it's a win-win for both these teams. Both these teams, in my eye, are solidified as a playoff team. Yeah, uh, they're. The Cardinals are a team that's really coming up, Arib. And entering into the season, we expected the Cardinals to definitely improve. But we definitely did not expect this type of improvement this quickly. Yes, they added DeAndre Hopkins, but my goodness, th- this improvement's crazy. And uh, definitely Kyler Murray is also moving up, and Josh Allen for himself too, even with this loss. doesn't matter. They're both moving up definitely in the MVP race. Uh and uh, that's going to be interesting to see by week 17 where we're going to have uh, our thoughts on who's going to be the MVP of the season. Yeah, and um, I think we're going to give a prediction for our MVP coach of the year and all that probably around week 12, I think would be yeah. a good time. Yeah, probably in about two weeks' time we'll probably get that going. Our early uh, picks, yep. Yeah, and um, the next game that I want to talk about is this kind of irrelevant, but the Browns-Texans game uh, – not really too much to talk about other than the fact that Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt did still have the best uh, running back tandem. And it honestly helped Kareem Hunt that Nick Chubb was there. It, it's quite crazy to think that, that Kareem Hunt being the sole bell cow would definitely help. It would be better for him that he's all by himself and taking all the load uh, off his shoulder, uh, all the load for himself. But now with Nick Chubb there, it's a two, it's a two uh, horse machine. They both had 19 carries each. Chubb had 126 yards. Hunt had 104 yards. And Hunt getting 104 yards on 19 carries is impressive. And Nick Chubb did his thing too. So I think it, it's beneficial for both these guys um, for, to have both have each other on the field. I think even Nick Chubb on his own, he proved himself last year that he would be good on his own. Hunt, he's obviously coming back from being inactive a lot. And, uh, yeah, he, he, looked, he looked really good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think that's all that really showed to me. And the weather played a major part in this game. Oh, for sure. The, the score the was only 10-7. to 7, but Yeah, obviously, I think this game would have probably gone in the 20s easily. But, uh, yeah, 
Also, I found it, I found it quite crazy. Nick, I don't know. This was a viral uh, viral uh, video. Nick Chubb. Uh, so the the t- uh, Browns were up seven ten, I believe, with about two minutes left, maybe a minute fifty left. Uh, Nick Chubb uh, broke broke away for I believe like a forty eight, close to a fifty yard touchdown. And uh, instead of taking the fifty, instead of taking the touchdown, he stepped out of bounds with two seconds left. And he stepped out of bounds because he got scared that they would have that he would give the Texans the ball back and they would score a touchdown and then they'd come back and they'd somehow win the game. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? That Nick Chubb did not take the touchdown and I, I know for a fact we saw the play, but Nick Chubb took the uh, didn't take the touchdown and stepped two yards shy just so the Texans would never get the clock back. I mean, I thought it was like the conservative move, but. I mean, I think your your franchise sucks if you blow a ten point lead in a minute. Listen, I think it's a smart move. Just frankly, I don't think there's a, even need to a need to debate it. Like Nick Chubb, he gets it. The Browns they don't win many games, and this is the first year where they're actually a winning franchise in a while. At least in the entire time I've been following them. If not. I think it's no, probably it's, it's ever, it's ever, it's a reap. No, it never might be been. for the last twenty years, easily, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, so, easy, yeah. Um, yeah. So you don't get wins that often as the Browns. He knows that, and also, let's be honest, touchdown versus winning the game, like there's no question about it. Sure, he's all about boosting his stats, but does he really need to? I mean, he ran for 120 yards and a touchdown already. If you're icing the game, do it. Pull off the Brian Westbrook move, the Maya Sanders, the pr- prime toggerly sort of running out of bounds uh, or sliding when you, whenever you have to, because you know you have the game in check. It's all about winning football games, and I don't even know why anyone's making a big deal about it other than like the fantasy owners. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Other than the fantasy owners, if you lost by six points because of Nick Chubb, uh, you hit him up in the DMs. Uh, the next game I, I want to talk about. This is kind of sad, but I mean, it's not kind of like irrelevant, I should say. But uh, the Vikings Bears game, I think it's sad because the Bears defense has continued to excel, and the Bears special teams has continued to excel. Cordero Patterson leading the team in not just rushing yards, but he was, he basically carried that special teams with that amazing kick return touchdown for for over 104 yards. Um, but looking Devin Hester-esque, I should say, uh, probably the all the greatest special teams returner of all time. And uh, but I think uh, the Bears' offense definitely let themselves down. Uh, Allen Robinson again, uh, again, it's nothing new here. Uh, this Bears team, I think they're probably going to put back Trubisky. Man, I, I, it's gonna it's looking that way. Once Trubisky is healthy, I think they're gonna lean towards him. I think uh, Bulls did not look great at all, and uh, I think Trubisky need to get a, get himself a second shot here. Definitely. Listen, I'll be honest. Forget about replacing Nick Foles with Trubisky. Trubisky with Nick Foles. They need to replace Matt Nagy. I will be flat out honest with you, and I'm gonna go through my three coaching things right. Um, so first, in order to be a good coach, I believe you need to be good on your side of the ball. And flat, yeah. flat out, I don't think Matt Nagy's good on his side of the ball. Because I not mean, right not right now, and not for the last year. Like yep. in 2019, he also was very sort of ran a vanilla offense. And like, yeah, I get the offensive line is bad, but you know who else had a bad offensive line last year? The Rams. 
just flat out. And everyone was thinking the big question coming into this year was would Sean McVay be able to fix the offense? Because their offense was very bad later on in that season. But even last season in 2019, we saw a great offensive line like uh, like Sean McVay try to innovate. He came out in 11 personnel more. He came out with two tight ends as often as he could, trying to shake things up, do whatever he could to score points. And we don't see Sean, we don't see Matt Nagy rather doing that at all. And Frank, frankly, I just think he's bad at being an offensive mind. And he's an offensive coach. So what are you offering to the team if you're not doing anything? And he gave up play call, play call. Play. Chicago Bears. And he also did, frankly, nothing. Just flat out, I mean, there was nothing to be like. I mean, he did nothing. He did nothing on the offensive side of the ball. He didn't call good plays whatsoever. And you can tell that hurt the Bears even more. So second of all, like I, I want you to be able to have some good in-game management. And same thing there. Like you don't see him doing anything in-game. You don't see him doing anything on the bye week. You don't see him doing anything between games to change the offense. He's not doing any of that. So and the third, I think you need to have the respect of your players. I think Matt Nagy does have the respect of his players. He's not like a Matt Patricia where you sort of have players coming out and speaking ill about him or even Bill O'Brien where you have fights with star players like J.J. Watt. But he failed the two most important things, in my opinion. And for me, that's kind of inexcusable. So if he doesn't fix the offense by the end of this year, I think he needs to be gone. All right, so I, I don't – I think he's on the hot seat. I don't think they'll fire him because uh, he did win Coach of the Year two years ago. Obviously, the team has Has he won a playoff has, game yet, though, Amal? Has regressed significantly since. I mean, he, he basically won if it wasn't for that kicker. Um, I think uh, – but regardless, I, I don't know. We can move on from that, obviously. But um, he hasn't looked the best. I think – that loss, I'm going to blame it on coaching more so than any other player. I think coaching was the major reason they lost the game. But uh, even regardless of that, I think that I think Nick Foles should be playing better. 106 yards passing is pathetic. Agreed. Uh, on, a, on, a, on a Vikings defense, it's not even that impressive. Uh, there, it, it didn't make sense to me. The Vikings the are playing better defense now, Amal, though. I want to give them credit. They had a ton of young players, and that's why their defense was sort of faulty earlier in the season. But now they're sort of coming into zone. They've won, I think, four out of their last five games or six games. Yep, like, yep, yep. They're, they're coming on – not on fire, but, you know, I think there's a they're not the same Vikings team they were earlier in the season where they're getting blown out or drop like letting teams drop 50 points on them. Like they're not that same team anymore. And shout out to the Kirk cousins for first of all, winning his first Monday night football game. And also shout out to Mike Zimmer. Cause his scheme is finally coming in clutch again. Like his scheme is sort of coming in when you want it to come in and he's sort of reuniting that defense. And that's what good, you know, position coaches do them all or good, you know, not even position coaches, but he's Mike Zimmer is the head coach of the defense, essentially, and he's very good at doing what he do, does. And you see him fixing issues versus Matt Nagy. I know it's on the offense side of the ball for the Bears, but he doesn't do that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Bears, they are right now the eighth seed. They are behind Seattle, who's now the seventh seed. So, obviously, not all hope is gone, but – yeah, they need to they need to pick it up. They started five and one. They're not they they've lost dropped four straight. Um, not very happy times to be a Bears fan. Uh, we can move on though. We'll move on to the football team versus the Lions. This game, 
was kind of irrelevant, honestly. We can we can we can move on from it quite quickly. But I, I do want to say DeAndre Swift looked really impressive, man. Uh, this was his first game as the feature back for the Detroit Lions. Uh, he's uh, took over as the lead back, and he looked pretty damn good, man. Uh, he was getting five yards per carry, sixteen carries, eighty-one yards, uh, and uh, yeah, carry on Johnson. Yeah, he took the step back, and he looked. He was the third string running back, uh, clear as day. And DeAndre Swift also had five receptions for sixty-eight yards and a touchdown. Yep, twenty-one um, touches overall. Yeah, so um, great game out of him. And uh, Alex Smith, I can continue to praise him, uh, but we can move on. Yeah, I just want to hit on something. Good resiliency by this Lions team, because um, I know they. I mean, they were leading big, and then. Good, again, good resiliency by the Redskins, or rather the football team. That just shows you the culture that Ron Rivera has built. Because this is sort of the game where, you know, the the Washington sort of rolled over in the third, third quarter, like in the previous years. But they're not doing that. And they came back, tied the game in the fourth quarter, and then resiliency by Matt Stafford and that offense to go out there and drive and hit that game-winning field goal. But, yeah, that's my final takeaways from that game. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, that's fine. And we can move on. Uh, the next game, Jags Packers. Not a lot to talk about there, really. Uh, the game was close for the most part, but uh, yeah, the, the Packers got the job done. The job done. So we can move on from that. And yeah. uh, the next game, Bucks Panthers. That's the same thing. We can really move on from it. A B. It was a close the, game early, but it was a close game early. But uh, the Bucks got the job done, and CMC didn't play. Mike Davis. Uh, was a uh, virtual. He, I mean, he, he only had seven carries, so uh, they, they they should have just given him the ball more. But uh, you shout can, out to um, Ronald Jones, Rojo, for having that 98 yard touchdown run. That was amazing, longest run in Buccaneers team history. That is extremely impressive, in my opinion. Yeah, so, yeah all the shout out to that, him for that. Yeah, considering all the running backs that were there in Tampa, that's uh, yeah, that, that's impressive. And um, Antonio Brown had himself a good game, seven receptions for 69 yards. Um, but obviously, uh, Mike Evans. And anything Chris- else you want to say about this Bucks game, Amal, or are you good? Yeah, uh, just yeah, the the Mike Mike Evans, Chris uh, Godwin, and Antonio Brown, they all killed it, and uh, great games out of those guys. And then the next game that I do want to talk about would be the. E- I, I know you don't want to talk about it, but the Eagles game, uh, I'm going to leave it up to you here. The floor is yours. Okay, so I will say this. So before I was trashing Matt Nagy, head coach, an offensive quote-unquote mastermind for the Chicago Bears. And honestly, that entire time I was watching that Monday Night Football game, I was just thinking this looks exactly like the Eagles offense, except they have a quarterback who is probably more talented and is playing slightly better than Nick Bowles is currently, in my opinion, and Carson Wentz. So. First of all, right? There, there's so many flaws with this Eagles offense. It's just vanilla. There's no creativity. And I know some people think that creativity is maybe going out there and throwing a touchdown to your quarterback, which is what the what which is what happened this week with the Bills and Cardinals game. The Bills threw a touchdown to their quarterback Josh Allen, right? And to me, that's not that's not innovative. That's just a good trick play. For me, innovation is having this good post uh, pre snap motion having multiple pre-snap motion, multiple players moving, coming out in more two tight end sets, doing whatever you have to do to 
essentially, you know, confuse the defense. And sure, like he has some, Doug Peterson has some pre-snap motion. Like he'll put Jalen Rogar and he's, he's sort of walking across formation. But he's, that's not really good pre-snap motion. There's no innovation. There's no really, you're not faking out the defense. And the offense is extremely predictable. Like every second and long, you can expect the Eagles to run the ball. And you know for a fact it's going to go out there and you're not going to gain any yards. Because, I mean, if I'm a guy sitting on the couch and I know there's probably like a 70% chance that the Eagles run it on second and long, then what do you think guys who are paid to watch football are going to think? They're going to think, oh, well, it's obvious we're going to run the, they're going to run the ball. Just stack the box so Miles Sanders gets like two yards and it's going to be a third and long. The Eagles, I don't know if you know this at all, the Eagles converted zero times on third down against the Giants. Zero. They went 0 for 9. That's just terrible. And uh, I don't know if you know this stat either. And this is might be an outdated stat, but I don't remember seeing any screen passes against uh, the Giants. But the Eagles have, I believe, 39 yards on screens this year in uh, against, well, against screens. Like, they have 39 yards on the year on screen passes. And, I, I again, that might be a subjective stat. I don't really have any other numbers for other teams, but that to me seems extremely low because I remember seeing a screen pass for John Brown back going back to that Bills game where he broke one for 40 yards. Like John Brown is a very fast player. And you know who else is fast? The Eagles have fast players like Jalen Raygor, like Miles Sanders, like Boston Scott. And Doug Peterson just refuses to throw screens. Even playmakers like Dallas Goddard, who is very good on tight end screens and has been very good on tight end screens his entire career. He doesn't get any of them thrown his way. Our best receiver last week against the Giants was Richard Rodgers. And I know, for those of you who don't know, I'm talking about this game. The New York Giants beat the Eagles 27-17 to in MetLife. I know it's about two minutes later in this rant, but still – they lost to the Giants. Like that to me, I, I predicted it to happen. I didn't think it'd be this bad. Like I didn't think the entire team would come out this flat. And I should have thought it because Doug Peterson was one on three uh, coming off bye weeks. Now he's one on four. But it's just sort of like, I don't even know if it's well coaching or if it's like a curse because our all pro center, Jason Kelsey, just forgot how to snap the ball. You had players dropping the ball. Maya Sanders dropping it. Travis Fogum, who has done absolutely nothing wrong this entire time uh, coming off his miracle breakout uh, season so far, he dropped a key third down pass. And it's just the play calling, the players, Carson Wentz not playing well. But most importantly, it's the play calling. Like, no screen passes. You're not using Jalen Rager well at all. Like, you got to use him on screens. He's a speedy guy. Run him on slants. Run him on curls, goes, all these routes that are going to use his speed very well. We don't use them. Like, the offense is predictable. It's stale. It's bland. Like, I know what's going to happen. And, again, like, I'm just a 19-year-old sitting on a couch watching football in my basement. Like, uh, if I know what's happening, what's a defensive mind going to think? And running the ball. So Miles Sanders averaged 5.7 yards per carry, and we just stopped running the ball. We only ran the ball on ball. I believe we only ran it like 20 times the entire game. And Carson Wentz threw the ball 37 times. So if you're going to throw the ball that much, why not throw some quick slants? Why not throw some screens? Just spice up the offense a little bit. Maybe run an end around. Because, again, you have fast players. It, what pisses me off the most is if I look at players, like if I look at quarterbacks like Jared Goff or Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo, both of them have a Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan who are both really respectable and great offensive minds, but they just make it easy on their quarterback. 
Like Jared Goff doesn't have to throw the ball like extremely. He doesn't have to throw that many times. He doesn't have to throw difficult balls. He doesn't have, he doesn't feel the need to be like to force himself to make a play. He, it's the deep, the all like the scheme uncovers players downfield for Jared Goff to make easy throws. Same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. The scheme opens up space for wide receivers to get open. But here it's like wide receivers need to get open solely on talent. And if they don't, then it's up to Carson Wentz to throw a dime. And if he does throw a dime, which he doesn't even do that often, but if he does, it's probably going to get dropped. Like it's just everything is wrong with this Eagles team on the offense side of the ball. And the defense is also kind of a mess, but they just don't have any linebackers. And yeah, I, before I stop this Eagles rant, as you can tell, I'm kind of pissed off because they just don't do anything well on the offense side of the ball. Like the offensive line was extremely horrendous against this Giants team. And I know it sounds like I'm defending Carson Wentz, but I, I mean, I don't know if there's many quarterbacks in the league that could have played a good game against whatever the offensive line was this week. Just Jason Peters multiple times along pressure. They started Sua Peta at right guard, who is a, a nobody, and he allowed tons of pressures and sacks. It was just a bad game overall. But I want to give a shout-out to Daniel Jones, man. Uh, I called him out last week for having a really bad late-game decision against the Buccaneers. And this week he comes out and he – I mean, I'm not going to say I'm hopping back on the Daniel Jones bandwagon because it's against a bad Eagles team. But he came out there and he threw – he threw multiple good balls. And I will say this. I, I don't know if he's great decision maker. I don't know if he's great at a lot of things, great at just uh, seeing, seeing pressure, but he's good at throwing the deep ball. He multiple times, he like positions the deep ball in a perfect spot. There was one drive in the third quarter where Daniel Jones throws the ball. Um, he's coming off an Eagle scoring drive. I believe it was the 56 year old uh, Boston Scott run for a touchdown. And the next play, Daniel Jones goes out there and throws two back-to-back 40-yard bombs. One to, I think it was Sterling Shepard, the next to Golden Tate, who completely mossed Craven LeBlanc. But those are two perfectly deep time deep balls, perfectly placed deep balls. And it just shows you how good of a deep ball thrower he is. So I want to give a shout-out to Daniel Jones and Joe Judge, head coach for the New York Giants, because he, he's establishing some sort of a culture there. Yeah, uh... The Eagles, the problems they have, man, it's 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 plentiful. Uh, I mean, Richard Rogers was the number one player on the Eagles receiving. Uh, on, uh, but I mean, I don't know what to even say, man. I really don't know. I, I mean, I knew we were going to talk about this game, but I mean, I'm just really speechless. Alshon Jeffrey, it was no definitely show. worth keeping him. It was definitely worth keeping him right for 10 he weeks. He took up a roster spot, by the way, Amal. I don't know if you knew that. He had one reception. He had one target for zero receptions, zero yards. I, I forgot mean, he was even, uh, even, you know, on the field. Yeah, I mean, they should have put they should have put me in there, man. I mean, one one target, zero. I mean, hey, man, it's a, it's a roster spot. I think. Uh, there's multiple players right now that are out there as free agents that definitely deserve a roster spot over this bump, uh, who has nothing, who's done nothing. Uh, JJR single white side, you're on the same boat, bro. Just cause we're not talking about you. That doesn't mean anything. Uh, I, I don't know what happened. And Fulgham, he, he was also a no show sadly. Uh, after such, after weeks of impressive performances, 
despite trash performances by the offense around him. Bogum also disappointed. Um, Dallas Goddard coming back from injury, he was kind of disappointing as well. The entire Eagles offense as a whole, except Miles Sanders and I guess I can say Boston Scott, even though he just had one big 56-yard touchdown. But outside of that, also disappointing. Um, Jalen Hurts, I ban you. I forbid you to be on the field unless Carson Wentz gets hurt. I forbid it. I forbid it, bro. I literally am banning it. I swear Dude, to God. it makes no sense. I, I, Everyone, I cuss, when Jalen Hurts comes on the field, every single football fan, even like you don't even need to fall football, you know it's going to be a run. Like, first of all, on that drive where we put in Jalen Hurts, like it was a good, literally the pass before that was a great ball by Carson Wentz, probably his best throw of the day to convert, I think, a second and long phenomenal ball right and then you put out Jalen Hurts to just mess up the mojo and on top of that you don't throw the ball at them everyone knows he's gonna run it so like what are you doing and then on top of that you have Carson Wentz on the top of the field so even if you're gonna pass it like you're playing with one man down like it just makes no sense to me whatsoever you should ban throw the Jalen Hurts package into the trash and burn it yeah, I think from now on, if I, if I don't see Jalen Hurts playing only quarterback, I don't want to see him play, period. I don't. I really don't want to see him play. It's, it's a waste of my time. It's a waste of a, a Philadelphia Eagles fans' time. You can turn off your TV for that possession. It's not worth watching. It's going to make you pissed off. It's going to make everyone that's watching the game that's not even an Eagles fan pissed off. Because it's, it's, it's not even worth it's like it's, it's pointless, bro. He's, he's so trash. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything because he's a rookie. But oh my god, oh my god! Please, like, there's a reason why they have Carson Wentz still at the starting position, starting quarterback position. It's because he's the best he quarterback. Can, he, he's, he can wait if, if if they believe Hurts is next up. He can wait and take his turn, just like Jordan Love is. Just wait, but don't put him in in this BS run. Like, like I I can't see this happen again, bro. I'm not even an Eagles fan. I, I, my, my, like my eyes are bleeding watching it. It doesn't make any sense. And I said, I said beginning, at the beginning of the season, you'd be like a better Taysom Hill, bro. Taysom, that's a disrespect to Taysom Hill, bro. This guy, this guy's nothing like Taysom Hill. It's not even in the same universe. Uh, yeah, I can't, I cannot, uh, I cannot fathom seeing this bullshittery ever again. I cannot. I mean, I, 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 I cannot see that. And on the Eagles' defensive side, I mean, bro, uh, Daniel Jones, that, the, the first play, the first touchdown of the game, oh, my goodness. Uh, Reeb, I think, uh, I think the Eagles' defenders were so far, they were probably closer to us than they were to Daniel Jones. And we live probably in the, we live in the suburbs of Philly. They were closer to us than Daniel Jones. Not a single person even breathed on Daniel Jones that possession. Uh, no one was near him. It was the easiest run, honestly, of his damn life. No one was near him, and it was an easy touchdown, walk-in touchdown. I, I mean, this. I'm I'm just shocked, bro. I, They're I trash. They're just flat-out trash. We, we predicted a Giants up. We predicted a Giants upset in terms of this week. So I mean, it's not like okay, it, it is what it is. We predicted it. A 10-point Giants win is the last thing I would expect, though, man. A 10-point Giants win. I mean, this team's 3-7. and seven. They are one of the worst teams in the NFL still, probably bottom five, and they're not playing bottom five that game. The Eagles made them look better than they really are. Uh, 
the Eagles. Oh my God, man. I, I, I really don't know what to say. Cause this Giants team overall, even now is worse than the Eagles team that they have. And it doesn't make any sense. Uh, do you want me to say Daniel Jones is a better quarterback than Carson Wentz? I don't want to say that. I mean, I mean, he's definitely a more like, mobile quarterback. I, I, I look like an idiot saying that because it's, here's the thing. The numbers freaking don't lie. Like what the hell? I mean, like how, I can't, I'm not going to say that, but like, come on, bro. Like, how You guys are trash, bro. They're just extremely oh. trash. I think we should move on before I have oh. high bread pressure. Yo, um, oh my God. This game <laughs> pissed me off. And I'm not even a damn Eagles fan. We can move on. We can move on. This yeah, we can talk about the Steelers Bengals game. Nothing much to talk here, but yeah. pretty much the Steelers start off nine and now. Pretty much. Big Ben won AFC Player of the Week, threw for four touchdowns. Uh, no picks. I think his stats on the year put him at 22 touchdowns, four picks in nine games. Pretty solid. I mean, if Alex Smith didn't exist, I believe Big Ben would be d- definitely running away with the comeback player of the year award. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think uh, yeah, definitely. He, I mean, that being said, it's the Bengals. So uh, T. Higgins, though, man, we were right about that. T. Higgins, though, dude, the T. Higgins from Clemson, uh, he's turning out to be he's turning to be a really good wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals team. Uh, moving on, um, I, I want to talk about the Saints Niners game. This game was kind of irrelevant. We, we expected it. Drew Brees left halfway through the game, but it didn't matter because the Saints got the job done. And uh, yeah, we can move on. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Niners defense showed out, um, so props to them, but. They also still allowed 27 touch, uh, 27 points. But it was sort of like shorter drives, I feel like. You know, like it wasn't like anything crazy. I think most of those points came off Nick Mullins, turnovers, and just short fields. So a shout-out to the Niners defense. But really, that team is kind of sad right now. Four and six, and they are not a good football team due to health. Um Broncos Raiders another pretty relevant game pretty much what we see here for the when I think about the Raiders I just think about the Browns like their offenses are extremely similar they're both extremely run heavy teams they both have pretty solid quarterbacks I feel like except that I think the Raiders offense is more run heavy and then uh, it's more just deep shots versus I feel like the Browns offense is more like play action rollouts but really they're very similar teams and we saw the Browns run all, over, run all over the Texans this week, and we saw similar thing with the Raiders running all over this um, this Broncos team. And just flat out, I mean, he uh, Drew Locke, quarterback for the the Broncos, just had a terrible day. Flat out, four four picks. I'm all four. I haven't seen four picks in a in a minute. I'll be honest. Yeah, man. Uh, four picks. Drew Locke. I mean, it's just a rough day. That's all I can say. And uh, Josh Jacobs had himself a good game. Uh, but yeah, Broncos just had a rough day. And uh, they're three and six for a reason. We can move mm-hmm. on to that game. I think we should talk about the Patriots Ravens game because it's another weather game. So, do you are you going to yeah. take anything away from this game? Because for me, what I take away is good coaching. Like uh, for the Patriots, like I just see phenomenally. Like it's just a phenomenally coached team. Like I think I, we were hit. I don't want to say we're like down on Bill Belichick, but we were questioning if maybe like he had reached the limitations of his power. 
But, I mean, they came out here and they played good against the Ravens in extremely tough conditions. And to me, that's just all coaching and hard work and discipline. Yeah, uh, I think this is a typical Bill Belichick performance, uh, great performance out of him. Damian Harris, though, he looked good, man. Uh, bounce back game, he, he looked really good. Um, yeah, also the Ravens, man, they're, they're, I don't know what's going on with them. They had an impressive win against Indianapolis, but I think weather was a major factor in this game, honestly. I don't, I don't understand how zero-point score for both teams in the first quarter and the last quarter of the game. Uh, pretty pathetic, honestly, if you ask me. But, yeah, uh, weather was – It was like a hurricane out you there. You couldn't even see anything, bro. In, in the middle of the game, you couldn't see much. Uh, and that last drive for the Ravens, it, was, it looked like I was staring at, like – it looked like the screen was going gray. Like – it was just a ton of rain. You could hear the rain on the broadcast too, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, I, that's true. Yeah. Um, uh, you can move on here to your Colts and Titans. I'll let you have the floor. Yeah. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I'm going to keep this really simple, sweet, and short. Uh, Naheem Hines is the man. Michael Pittman, that was a great great pick. And I, and I told Reeve that would be a great pick. And uh, he looked really impressive. I mean, he, he was out, I believe, for about six weeks because of an injury that he had with his leg. But uh, he bounced back, had himself a great game. Philip Rivers had himself a good game as well, 308 yards and one touchdown. Fun fact, Philip Rivers has officially broke, the, broken into, broke himself into the top ten in the MVP candidates. Uh, top ten is not top five. He's nowhere near the MVP race, obviously. But, hey, man, I, I appreciate <laughs> I, I definitely don't think he's top 10. I think quarterbacks are just being overvalued in this league. Uh, it's stupid. But anyways, regardless of that, um, Derrick Henry uh, had 103 yards rushing. The Titans offense overall, and Tannehill had a really poor game. But I think overall I'm going to blame this, uh, whatever the result of this game, solely on the special teams on both sides. Uh, the cold special teams was impressive. The Titans special teams were not impressive. And uh, Goskowski missing a 40-yard uh, field goal to make the game back into one possession. He missed that. Uh, this punter, uh, I don't even want to insult him, but he was, a, he was a punter that worked for FedEx the week before, and uh, he got called up to play this game. And I appreciate that, man. I, I really do. I think, uh, I think his name's Trevor Daniel. Uh, he had two punts. His net average is 21.3 yards. Um, pretty solid, if you ask me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't keep a straight face, bro. I mean, I'm not showing my video here, but oh, my goodness. Uh, he had, a, he had, a, he had a, I believe, a 19-yard punt. Uh, pretty solid stuff. Uh, and I think he also had a blocked punt as well. So, And that was returned for a touchdown. And those two punts led to touchdowns at the end of the day. And that's 14 points. Goskowski missing a field goal that led to another touchdown. That's 21 points. And the gap for this game was 17. So, uh, yeah, if the Titans weren't honestly being stupid, this game would have been way closer. I still expected Indy to win, but, I mean, this game would have been close. Clearly that wasn't the case. And, uh, yeah, this was just a complete demolition uh, from the Indianapolis. Well, the special teams for it, yep. Yeah, and then that I think that's my major takeaway here. Titans got to step it up, especially with 
three just three straight losses, and their schedule is not getting any easier. So um, they're playing the Colts, I believe, in two weeks, and they got to get a win. Otherwise, they are screwed too. Oh yeah, if they lose to the Colts one more time, it's going to take a while for them. It's going to take a lot for them to come back. So yeah, you, I mean, you hit on everything I wanted to talk about. I think we need to move on to our last game. Let's see if something else to talk about for this game. Nah, man, uh, I'm just very happy. I'm in a great mood, so uh, we can move on. <laughs> okay, uh, Chargers, Dolphins. I'll let you take the floor because you're the huge Tua guy. Yeah. Um, so Tua, Tua, Tua is the man. But I mean, even here, this game, he didn't. He wasn't. He didn't need to be the best. Uh, he just got the job done. Uh, Chargers once again falling short. By the way, they're the only team right now that's one uh, that has kept. There's they're one of two teams right now in the NFL that have had every result of the game be a uh, be a possession or under. Is the Chargers and the Steelers, and the Steelers are nine and zero, and the Chargers sadly two and seven. So um, Anthony Lynn has much to blame with this. You brought him up, uh, I believe, a couple weeks ago, if not last week, that he should be on the hot seat. And now I believe that seat's getting warmer and warmer week by week because this Chargers team is, is, is just not closing the games out. And uh, it's not looking great right now. Keenan Allen only had three receptions for 39 yards. Uh, that's not going to do it. And, uh, yes, I mean, that's, that's all I can really say. And this Dolphins team needs to get more and more respect, bro. I think this Dolphins team is looking really good. And uh, I think they, they, have, they have a great chance in uh, – they they have they have a great chance in uh, in making something really special and a great run uh, in the playoffs, and yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah, so really for me, the Dolphins, like you hit on it, Tua didn't have to do a lot, but what he did have to do, like he just did it really well. Like Tua is Tua for me is like a Drew Brees type of quarterback where I feel like he doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has a good mind. Uh, other than, I mean, he has mobility, which is something Drew Brees doesn't have, and that's definitely something that is an added tool in his arsenal. But for me, Tua is just very good at what he can control. He's a good football mind. He's he's not the greatest arm, but he's good at timing, good at all the small things. And to me, that's what makes him a good quarterback. And we saw him come out here, and he played a, uh, not a phenomenal game, but he did what he had to do, two touchdowns in the dub for the Dolphins. And for me, that just shows – sort of almost the benefits of having a good coach and having a good team around you. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I'm not going to say they're going to end up like this because I don't think they will. But I'm getting almost early Seattle Seahawks vibes with Russell Wilson where sort of Russell Wilson just had to plug and play him. And yeah, he's a great quarterback. And I think Tua is a great quarterback as well. But the team around them was so good that they didn't have to do much for the team to be successful. And that to me is just... A shout out to Brian Flores, the head coach for the Miami Dolphins. I, I think we have a Brian Flores like appreciation like segment almost every single week, but I think it's almost deserved every single week. Like they, it's just phenomenal. Like just phenomenal on everything. Like they do everything. And Chris Greer, the general manager for the Miami Dolphins, also doing a very good job establishing this team. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how, how everything pans out there. And also, I think we did miss out on one game. I, I think this game is definitely left on the radar. I don't know why we didn't bring it up, but uh, we didn't talk about the Seattle game, I believe, correct? Correct, yep. 
Yep, and uh, that's the last game. And uh, I, I don't know why we forgot about it. But, man, Russell Wilson, he's playing uh, – I don't know what to really say. This was a typical Carson Wentz type of game, honestly, this year. Uh, two, he had 248 yards, two picks, but he led the team in rushing, which Carson Wentz has done many times this season. Uh, DK Metcalf got shut down by Jalen Ramsey. He got clamped. Completely. Only had four targets, two receptions, 28 yards. Um, yeah, this wasn't even an impressive game by the offense either by any means. It was uh, a battle of the defenses, and sadly, just the Seattle defense just sucks. So that's the reason why the Rams won and the Seahawks didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Seahawks, got they got to pick it up. Because like I said, they are seventh seed, and they are comfortably seventh seed because uh, – I don't. I I highly doubt the Bears or the or the Vikings or the Lions are going to catch up to them and beat them out as the seventh seed. But obviously anything can happen. But uh, yeah, I, you can't you can't be in a good position right now, especially when you're the seventh seed uh, and you were literally the one seed just last week. <laughs> That's crazy, right, Arif? They were one seed last. That's week. crazy, dude. And, and, they, and now it. they fall to seven. And, and this, it's crazy, man. It, it's absolutely crazy. I, I, my mind, I mean, they, they were. The NFC West, dude, is literally the best division of football. It might be one of the best divisions I've seen, period. Yeah, it, it's crazy, man. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm just dumbfounded. Straight up dumbfounded. And this AFC, AFC North is also getting really close. The Browns. The Browns are good, the Ravens are good, and the Steelers are really good. So even that division is very competitive. But, oh, my goodness, this division is also on another level right now. There's a uh, good te- chance you can get three playoff teams out of this division. Yeah, and that's the same with the AFC North, too. You can get three teams out of that division, too. And that's, that's kind of crazy because right now the, um, that's the positioning that they have. And, um, yeah, and if you have a healthy Niners team, like – you could have easily had four playoff teams out of this division, exactly. which would have been ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. Um, that, that's kind of crazy. And uh, damn, um, Russell, this is a definitely, they're trending down for me. And we're, we're going to talk about our power rankings next, but uh, they're definitely a team that's trending down for both of us, for sure. But we'll see where they, we have them in our top 10 now. And uh, let's enter into our top 10 teams entering into week 11, week 10. You had Kansas City 1, Steelers 2, Packers 3, Seahawks 4, Saints 5, Ravens 6, Titans 7, Bills 8, Bucks 9, and Cardinals 10. I have I had the Chiefs 1, Steelers 2, Packers 3, Saints 4, Seahawks 5, Ravens 6, Bills 7, Titans 8, Bucks 9, and the Dolphins at 10. Reba, you can take it away with your number one team. And I'm pretty sure we'll both have the Chiefs at one. But yeah. Yep. I, we both had the Chiefs at one. I had the Steelers at two, which I think you also have. Yep. yep. Okay. Yep. So we can move on to three. I have the Packers still at number three. And I know they're like the Jags game was close, but I mean, they got the job done. So yep. I can't really knock them for that. The Jags also had a punt return touchdown, which made that score way closer than what it really was. Um, yep, I'm with you. Yeah, number four. I had the Saints at number four, up one spot yep. for me. Yep, I'm the same way. Yep, we're, okay. we're still, still good. And yeah. I will be honest, from five to ten, I it's empty for me because 
I want to hear what you have to say first, because really all these teams for me are extremely close, and I don't really have a clear fifth team. Dude, five, five through ten is also close for me, because um, they're all the teams with three losses, correct? I think we yeah. agree with that, right? They're all the teams that mm-hmm. have three um, So um, for five for me, I'm going to put Tampa Bay at five. Tampa Bay, okay. So that's also where I was leaving, leading as well. And I think slowly it's because Tom Brady, good coaching, good offense. And also, I know their defense is really bad against the Saints, but in general, their defense tends to be pretty good. So I think I would also lean towards the Bucks at five. For number six, for me, honestly, it's very close. The teams I have up there, I have the Ravens. I have – dude, it's just too close. Like from 5 to 13, you have the Seahawks, the Ravens, the Bucks, the Titans, the Bills, the Colts, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, the Raiders, the Browns, the Rams. Like there's a good 10 teams in there that you could alternate, and I literally would have no problem. So what, what's your sixth team? Or, yeah, sixth team. Dude, uh, damn, putting me in a tough spot here. Uh, sixth, I'm gonna put. Six, I'm gonna put. Uh, I'm gonna put Arizona at six. Um, and it was because of that win that they had against Buffalo. Uh, that that definitely did it for me. And uh, they had to be above Buffalo for me. And um, then they have to be above Baltimore because they got the win. And. Uh, they're above Seattle because they already beat Seattle. Uh, I wouldn't. I would put Miami over them, but uh, they, I mean, uh, the, a win against the Bills is just simply too impressive right now. And if the Dolphins beat the Bills, then they'll eclipse the they'll eclipse the Cardinals next week. But um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put the Cardinals now at six. Okay, so. I think I just have to go Seattle, bro. I just have a feeling that Russell Wilson is going to put it back together. And their defense, I, I've been doing some research in their defense. A lot of their problems, it isn't talent. Like, I think a lot of people are putting blame on their defensive line. But their defensive line is like just average. It's nothing like terrible. It's nothing great. Their true problem is like communication and just stale defensive play calling. And I feel like it's a historically bad defense. But I think they can only really go up from here. Like they can only trend up. I believe they're the 31st defense in football currently, or maybe even the 32nd. They are extremely bad on the defense side of the ball. But when we have stars like Jamal Adam, who's, who's been playing hurt, he's only going to get healthier. Bobby Wagner, his communication and everything is only going to go up. And eventually I'm just praying. And I just have that. It's just sort of the, the thought in the back of the mind that I think that the Seattle Seahawks offensively are going to get back on track. And it's going to be all Russell Wilson. And I'm just going to put faith in Russell Wilson for my sixth spot pretty much. So it's essentially Russell Wilson and the crew at number six for me. Yeah, they're going to be one spot down. They're going to be at seven for me. And last week, I believe I had them at five. And they had done, they're they down to seven. And, yeah, I, they, they dropped three straight for me. That's the main reason. Um better than every other team though that's above them that's below them so that's why i happened purely at seven because of that and uh yeah who's your seven then okay 
so I don't I don't think I can put Baltimore at seven, man. I think Baltimore for me. You can't put them there. I'm gonna put Baltimore at eight for me. Number seven. I know it might be bad, but honestly, I think I want to lean the Bills almost. But I will say the Cardinals because the Cardinals beat them. But honestly, the Bills to and the, the Bills to me are extremely close to being even with Seattle. I mean, they beat Seattle. The Bills are just a very good coach football team. They're not the best against the run, but I was impressed by what I saw on the defense side of the ball. They did a really good job against Kyler Murray. And really, like if there's if that fluke Hail Mary doesn't happen, which all Hail Marys are fluke, let's be honest. If that doesn't happen, I mean, you probably had the Bills at number seven because they like they're, they've been rebounding from that bad performance they had earlier on in the sort of the middle of the season so far, and they've rebounded from that pretty well. I think I'm going to put the Cardinals at seven, though, because they won the game. And Kyler Murray, I think, is the MVP right now, even though I don't think he's the best player. But I think he's playing really well, especially on the ground game. I'm going to put the Bills at eight, actually, over the Ravens. So you're going to put the Cardinals at seven, correct? Yeah, and then Bills at eight. So we're flipped on the six and seven. And then you have the Bills at eight, and I agree Mm -hmm. with that. The Bills at eight as well. and. my nine, I'm going to put the Ravens there. You have the Ravens there as well, I'm assuming. Yep, my nine is Baltimore. And then um, my 10, I'm going to probably um, – my 10 uh, My ten will be Indy. I'll put 10 uh, Indy because of uh, their divisional one. I'm going to put 10 Indy. I think that's pretty fair to considering who they beat. Yeah, I'm going to put the Rams at 10, and I'm putting Indy at 11. And to me, it comes it comes down to, I mean, I think I think this Rams defense is coming to the zone, bro. You hit on it. DK Metcalf did absolutely nothing. This one guy who has been getting a ton of hype for the Cardinals, uh, not the Cardinals, the Rams, I'm forgetting his name currently, but the defensive back, he had a pick on Russell Wilson this week. And he's just that, he's that one play where I think – it's been floating all around Instagram, but he has this phenomenal pass breakup where he's like floating through the air and he managed to knock the ball down last second. Just really good, like defensive back play. It's his name is Daryl Darius Williams, number 31 for the Rams. And he, along with um, Joan Ramsey have proven to be a pretty good duo. Obviously they have Aaron Donald there still. And this defense is coming into zone, and the defense has played well all season. Like they haven't allowed many points. I think their biggest game was like week three against the Bills, and that's seven, eight weeks ago now, Mo. So I'm willing to put the Rams at number ten. It's an impressive win, and the Colts are number eleven. They have an impressive win as well, and I can't really dock them. But I just think the Rams win might have been a slightly more impressive. Yeah, uh, I mean that's that's fair. I think uh, I think I can live with that too. Um, but um, yeah, I, I mean I have a hard time with this top with the power rankings right now that I'm playing because I had the Dolphins in my top ten and they won. They're now they were at ten last week and now they're out of it. Kind of sad, but hey man, it is what it is. Uh, Dolphins for so for me my eleventh uh, or thirteen. I have um, – I'm going to put the Dolphins at 11, the Rams at 12, 
and the Raiders at 13. Yeah, that's what I'll do. Okay, so I have Indy at 11. I have the Dolphins at 12. I have the Titans at 13. I put Indy at 14. And then at 15, I have Cleveland. You said Indy twice. Oh, sorry. I meant um, the, the Raiders, sorry. The Raiders at 14. Okay, so, okay. Oh, okay. Then if we're going up to 14, then if we're going up to 15, then uh, 13, then 14 for me, I have Tennessee. And 15, I have Cleveland. Tennessee's got to still be top 15 regardless. And yeah, you dropped Tennessee big time though, man. They were, uh, they were, uh, they were seven for you last week and they're not in your top 15. Three straight losses, man. And they don't have a Russell Wilson that I think can carry the team the same way. For me, that's a huge loss. And also, like, their special teams has been a consistent problem. And, like, I know it's special teams sort of underlooked, but that's very important because you hit on it. Special teams cost them this game against the, the Colts on Thursday Night Football. They essentially lost the game against the Steelers because uh, Goskowski missed field goals. And I believe they also lost uh, another game because of missed field goals. So just flat out, special teams is a problem. Yeah, and a team that's trending up for me for sure, that's not even close to this top 10, but it's trending up regardless, it is the New England Patriots. Uh, that was an impressive win, regardless of the weather conditions. Impressive win. Uh, yeah, for me, I'd probably put the Patriots at... Um, 16. I'd have the Vikings at 16, actually, and then I'd have the Patriots at 17. Yeah, I'm probably putting Patriots at 16, Vikings 17, and then... Yeah, we can go on, then who cares about the rest? But yeah. Yeah. Um, Those are all the playoff teams. They're all the teams that matter, pretty much. Thanks for listening to this week of the Flea Flicker NFL show. If you like the show, give it a comment on Instagram, do all that fun stuff. Thanks for listening. Peace out and bye.